Hello. Rolling. Welcome, everybody. Today's episode is Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the great American Western movie. We Paul Newman, Robert Redford. Robert Redford. Oh, you guys both said out. You guys nailed the two main actors. Who am I supposed to say? Say the, the girl, Catherine. The girl, Catherine. Is that right? The girl, Ka- Catherine. The I girl, don't know. Catherine, in her best role yet. <laughs> yeah. Directed by a guy named Roy Hill. Di- Roy Disney. Roy Hill? Something. Roy G- George Roy Hill. Roy so. Rogers. Man, we're nailing it. It's a good movie. Check it it's out. Anyways, next week, <laughs> we're watching Smothers Brothers Return. Uh, yeah. No, I- I would. I mean, that's good. Smothers Brothers, they need to come back. Are they still alive? The Smothers Brothers? I yeah. don't even know who the Smothers yeah, I, I don't know what that thing. Is. I thought I made that up. No. I Smothers. thought I just invented that. They were on Laughing. They were a comedy I might duo. I'm going to sue them for copyright infringement. They were a comedy duo. My idea. With mm. a name like Smothers, it has to be good. That's the jelly. That's not that. So we're talking about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, not the Smothers Brothers. Sorry, I dropped that name. Or the side, Smuckers Fuckers. Side tangent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this was my pick because I wanted to pick something that everybody would enjoy. And I thought y'all would like a little wholesome cowboy movie. Yeah. So I chose this movie. I had seen this movie before. Uh, this movie is from 1969. I actually read the screenplay to this, um, because the, it was written by the same guy who wrote Princess Bride, William Goldman, Hmm. who some people consider to be the uh, greatest American screenwriter of all time. Wow. That's quite the... Ah, jeez. I read a book of his, which was just four of his screenplays, and a little bit of commentary on the movies, and Butch Cassidy was one of them. Uh, So, yeah, I'm familiar with this movie. You guys had never seen it, right? No, and it's a movie that, obviously, I think I've heard about 10 million times. Yeah. Always reference it's when you picked it i was excited i was like oh cool i finally get to see this movie that i've heard about for so long that i know nothing about i'd meant to watch it uh, i mean for a million years i always meant to and then never got around to it and truthfully i love old westerns like i really love them there is something about it that makes me like i I don't know it makes me comfortable i don't know (laughs) what it is but i just like it nice yeah so i was excited to see this one uh yeah i mean this is a famous movie i think the American Film Institute named it like their 73rd greatest American film ever made. Wow. It's like number seven on their top 10 list of Westerns. Hmm. Uh, it has all kinds of awards and yeah, people seem to like it. Um, what do you think of it, Rocco? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I had seen, well, I should give some context. I had, um, when I got a new Dell computer in the early 90s, it was a rare thing. It could play video. Like that at the time, it was like a, a PC can play a video. What? And it had popular movie clips on it. And mm. one of them, the only thing I'd ever seen from this movie was them getting ready to jump off. They jump off a cliff at a point in this movie. Right. And it was them getting ready. You know, that whole. Yeah, scene. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they jump. Oh, shit. The clip ended there. And I had been told that's how this movie ended. So <laughs> watching this movie the whole time, I'm like. I'm really enjoying this movie, but it sucks. I already know the ending that they're just going to go fuck it and jump off a cliff. <laughs> what? No. That's not even close to the end. No. I mean, maybe, maybe on a, in a, met, on a metaphorical level, it might be close to the end, but not <laughs> at all. It was in the middle of the movie and they jump into a river. So anyway, that anyway, thoroughly enjoyed the movie. Uh, and we're surprised, I'm sure, when they saw that clip and they kept going. Yeah, I, I really <laughs> oh, was Oh, there's like, more to it. I really was like, this is already wrapping up? Oh, no, we're 45 minutes into this film. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, 
two of the best l- older actors. I mean, in a in a timeless kind of western thing. Which I, I mean, was thinking. I, I don't know if I've it. ever seen a Paul Newman or Robert Redford movie. I can't think if I have. Yeah, it's funny. I've seen Robert Redford, but I don't think I've seen a Paul uh, 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 Paul Newman movie. I don't think. I think this is the first one I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I like his dressing. So. Oh yeah, Newman's own dressing. I forget that's the same guy. Oh, yeah, because the guy. dude on that bottle does not look like Butch Cassidy. Well, yeah. I mean, he aged, you know. I guess, but, I, but it's a drawing. So put put Butch on there. Yeah, put where's Butch? I do take that back though. I have seen a Paul Newman movie, Cars. Nice. He yeah, was the voice of Doc. His most famous movie. Yeah. So Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid opens in a movie theater with some old timey um, western. Uh, movies playing, kind of giving you a little recap on Butch Cassidy and his gang, the hole in the wall gang. Um, and then it tells you that most of this movie was based on a true story. Butch Cassidy really was a bandit, an outlaw in the Wild West, who apparently never killed anybody and was really likable and really funny. Hmm. Uh, so when they started making this movie, they weren't sure if they were setting out to make a comedy or a drama. Yeah. Um, I watched a behind the scenes documentary on this and the director basically said, let's just do it realistic. If he's in a funny situation, people will laugh. If he's in a tragic situation, they'll cry. We're just going to go for realism in this movie. Hmm. Which, so, which I love. That is my favorite type of anything, you know, like when that's how life is, you have funny shit up against grim shit. You know, yeah. I always bring up the example of the Sopranos. That's why I love that show so much is it, it, it could be funny and on a dime be the darkest thing you've ever seen. Um, walking that line is... Yeah, the studio really wanted to hire a comedic actor to play Butch, uh, yeah. but he really insisted on Paul Newman because he said he was a nice, genu- genuinely nice, warm guy. Yeah, yeah. And he felt like he th- that that was kind of where the comedy was going to come from if that guy was running the hole-in-the-wall gang. Yeah. The movie opens with Butch Cassidy staking out a bank. I thought it was really interesting because the bank closes at 3 p.m., which I just mm-hmm. thought, like, ah, oh, the good old days. Like, <laughs> what do you do after 3 p.m.? Like, uh, yeah. oh, all the shops are closed. It's, it's almost 4. Oh, my God. Get ready for bed soon. <laughs> do you remember, though, like, it wasn't even that long ago, like, in our lifetime that it closed that early. Like, they used to close. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. I don't remember. I used to go. I remember. The bank were, closing at five makes me angry. Five, yeah. yeah. But there were there was a time not even that long ago. I remember be, as a kid, you know, my family would go to the bank or my grandma would go to the bank and I'd be with them. And it was like they close at like one or three o'clock. Yeah. Like, it used to be that. It's I remember my mom would that. always have to go during lunch. Yeah. Because every, and that's what the longest line was. Everyone had to go during lunch. Yeah. Lunch hour. That was that was kind of what the the crowd they served was kind of like the lunch crowd to just get that done. So he's staking out the bank. It's very secure. And he asked the security guard, like, what happened to the old bank? It was so beautiful. And the guard says, oh, well, they had to build this one because the old one got robbed too much. And he goes, <laughs> a small price to pay for beauty. Then we get introduced to the Sundance Kid, played by Robert Redford, who is in the middle of a card game. And it's a great scene early on in the movie where he gets accused of cheating. And the whole time, it's just a shot of his face throughout the whole conversation of him getting accused to be cheating. And then Butch comes in and tries to help him out, like convince him, like, come on, let's go, blah, blah, blah. He's like, no, he accused me of cheating, you know? Yeah. We're going to stay until he asks me to leave. Also, this is the first scene, and it was black and white. It's like, oh, it's a black and white movie. I thought it was was (laughs) color, (laughs) which I still don't really know why that scene was in black and white. It, I mean, to me, I don't know it may, uh, if anybody else has more insight on that. I, I kind of felt like it was transitioning out of the history book, kind of like they gave us those clippings at the beginning or, or whatever and said that, you know, here's what happened. This is a crew. They're all dead. But 
let's dig into their history, you know? Yeah. So I felt like it was just sort of a visual transition. Maybe. I feel like it was there kind of to set it in like this was a long time ago. Yeah, mm -hmm. here's because some old when photos. It, when it does transition into color, uh, I noticed that like the costumes are really clean. Everything right. looks really new, really mm -hmm. fresh. Um, and I was just actually recently unrelated watching a low budget Western movie on Netflix and all the costumes look brand new. And I was thinking like, this looks like shit because right. like, <laughs> yeah. where's the, like the dirt in the mud? Dirty yeah. them up. Yeah. But in this movie, I, f I didn't feel that way because I felt like, well, it was in black and white a minute ago. So now it's like, I don't know. I felt like we've stepped into the photograph and yeah. I, I kind of liked that touch, but it was a little weird. And for a moment, I was like, I haven't seen this in a long time. Is this in black and white? I, I remember this being in color. Did I get a different <laughs> version? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and then, so that's how you're introduced to uh, the Sundance Kid. And when Butch Cassidy finally name drops him, the guy goes, oh, I didn't know you were the Sundance Kid. And then you finally see the person he's talking to, and he looks fucking scared. Right. Uh, <laughs> which is a good way to introduce that character. Then they both go back to um, the hole in the wall, which is their gang's hideout. And they find that the gang has, since the time that Butch and Sundance have been away scouting their next robbery, the gang has missed them a little bit and elected a new leader, a guy named Harvey Logan. Mm-hmm. And this is a scene early in the movie where basically Harvey challenges Butch for control of the gang and challenges him to a knife fight for control of the gang. I had to look up. I thought that Harvey was the guy, um, Rock, you're not going to know this, but Billy Madison's boss. Oh, no, no, yeah. No, 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 no. Happy Gilmore's boss. Was he? No. Oh, okay. The, mm -hmm. the guy died in the 80s. But, like, you know the guy who gets a nail on his head, yeah. Derek? Yeah. Just I, a tall it, goon. It looked like that guy to I me. Mean, like, is this the guy from Happy Gilmore? It's <laughs> not. It was not. But I had to check. Um, I want to say throughout this whole movie, uh, the best part of this movie is that Butch and Sundance have a have a a very witty banter between them, mm -hmm. and their friendship is just encapsulated by them always just saying funny stuff back and forth to each other. And I'm not gonna try to recap every little witty piece of banter they have, but in every scene that we describe. Just imagine that it's enriched by the little side comments that they're making to each other the whole yeah. time. Which I, I loved through the movie. That I really like their dialogue a lot. Yeah. One of my favorite parts, I will mention of this, is when he gets challenged to the knife fight with Harvey and Butch doesn't want to fight him. He kind of goes over to Sundance to get ready. Yeah. And, he, and Sundance is like a sharpshooter. And he goes, do me a favor. Uh, if I die, kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, Harvey tells him, he goes... Sundance, you stay out of this. This is between me and Butch. You know, you're welcome to join the gang after we settle this. And that's when Butch says, if, if do me a favor. If I die, kill him. And he goes like, love to. And then he like looks at Harvey and waves like, yeah. hi. <laughs> yeah. Just little funny things like that. Uh, Butch Cassidy wins the fight through trickery, um, which, you know, he kicks him in the balls and knocks him out. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's a good scene. And then, oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, that scene sets up perfectly, I thought, what the movie was. Because I was like, oh, they're going to be like a fucking gnarly knife. Because you don't know these characters yet. I don't know anything. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, he just kicks him in the nuts and like, he's like all right, you, you know, get out of here, whatever. And it's like, oh, that was it. Like, <laughs> oh, okay, this is a lot as intense as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I was happy, honestly. Yeah, Butch Cassidy never kills anybody. That's like a big thing throughout this movie. Um, so they were, Harvey's plan was to rob a train that they had already robbed because he felt like they wouldn't be expecting it. After Butch beats up Harvey, he says, you know what? That plan's pretty good. We're going to rob that train. And so they go to find the Pacific Flyer, the Overland Flyer train. And they, there's a great train robbery scene, 
uh, where Sundance runs over the top of the train, like cross. It's straight out of like Red Dead Redemption. It really yeah, is. And playing a lot of that game it. recently, this whole movie was Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. To yeah. Me. yeah. I bet, you know, a lot of this uh, Red Dead Redemption was inspired by this and like a fistful of dollars. Yeah. Um, and, and that, uh, what was it? That not that long ago, that Brad Pitt movie, Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely stuff lifted in that game really? from that too. Yeah. Oh. I didn't cool. see that one. Uh, I saw that one, but I didn't really enjoy but it. I did. I think you and I had the same story where we like fell asleep at the same time or something. Like we watched it separately and we were like, dude, I fall asleep listening fighting, to the title. Fighting sleep at one point. It's it pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. I have to re I'll have to revisit that. But this movie's great. The train robbery in this movie is exciting and it's also funny yes. because they have a guy who works on the train who just won't open the door and they basically tell him, like, we're Woodcock. Gonna, yeah, we're going to blow it up and we don't want to blow you up with it. So come on out so we can we can avoid all this. And he's like, oh, I'll lose my job. And they're like, they're not paying you enough to get blown up, dude. Come on out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, a, a great, this movie has heart and it's wholesome because after they blow up the train, they check on that guy to make sure he's okay. And right. they're kind of like buddies mm. with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, after they rob the train, they go to celebrate at a local brothel and uh, the people, the townspeople are trying to gather a posse together to go hunt down Butch Cassidy and, and they're like, he's probably halfway back to hole in the wall by now. We have to hurry. But he's actually in the brothel upstairs watching them enjoying the show. Mm -hmm. um, they have a good night and basically Sundance Kid says, I'm going to go find me a woman. Right. Uh, for the night. He has one of my favorite lines in this movie where Butch Cassidy goes like, good luck. And he's like, it shouldn't take me too long. Just a couple of days. You know, I'm not picky. All she has to be is uh, smart and pretty and kind. And then he just lists <laughs> off all these things she has to be. So he is yeah. picky. Uh, and he goes and he like breaks into this woman's house and he makes her get undressed at gunpoint. And this is another part where I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I thought I like these guys, but maybe he's a villain. Like, oh, my yeah. God. I know he's a, I know he's like a gunslinger cowboy, but like, oh, fuck. I didn't know we we're going to get this dark with it. But then <laughs> it turns out it's just his longtime girlfriend, Etta Page. So it's like some weird role play dude, thing. You know, They're whatever, just goofing. Whatever you're into, I guess. Yeah, but I was I was comfortable for a little bit. You bring a revolver into the bedroom. You make a couple of jokes, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the movie, uh, honestly, the main characters are these three people. It's Butch Cassidy, Sundance Kid, but also Etta Page is the girl. Mm -hmm. um, she's with Sundance, but she has like uh, a very close and tender relationship with both of them. Honestly, she's kind of like both of their woman it, it, in a way. It was weird, and they didn't really go far into it. I thought that would be like a point of contention between <laughs> yeah, them. I thought that was going to be like, oh, this would be, be a, a big this, thing This later. is a problem. <laughs> it was not a problem. They didn't really seem to care about that. Yeah, because they're gangsters. They're like bandits, and this is kind of like a fast and loose uh, relationship. You know, I get the impression, and in a lot of Westerns, a lot of the characters are this way, and I can only assume this may have been how it was at the time. They weren't in any one place for very long, right. and they didn't want to get tied down to any woman. And they tell Etta many times throughout this movie, like, we like having you around, but if you start to whine or complain... Head on home whenever you want. <laughs> right. Uh, so I think that these guys are living fast and loose, flying by the seat of their pants. They don't really have time for women. They have time for love, but no time for commitment, if mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Sure. <laughs> um, but that being said, not much is known about the real Etta Page. I tried to look up some history on her, and there's only one actual known picture of the real Etta Page. Wow. Uh, and it's with Sundance, the Sundance kid, and it's taken in New York City. Oh, okay. Uh, at the point in the movie where they travel from Utah to New York 
um, to get to South America. They go on this big tour of New York City. I guess that's all true. A lot of this movie is based on real events. Yeah. Some people say that the real Etta Page was a school teacher, and that's the story that they go with mm-hmm. in this movie. But the director of the film actually goes on to say that in a behind-the-scenes interview, he doesn't believe that is true. He probably he put, he believes that she's probably another prostitute mm. from the whorehouse with all the other prostitutes. Oh. But you know, to make it a more wholesome movie, there were rumors that she was a school teacher, so oh, they made okay. her that character. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. Um, there are three musical montages in the movie. There's three musical sequences. Right. And the director said that they did that because there weren't a lot of scenes with Etta, but he wanted her to be a bigger part of the movie. So they invented these musical sequences. Where the two, where Etta and the two men could interact with no dialogue. Right. So there's a scene in the movie at this point where Butch Cassidy buys a bicycle, uh, which I think is really funny because it's they play the bicycle like it's never been seen before. It's the future. Oh, this is 1860, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, and look at this. You won't believe it. It's a, it's a steel horse. <laughs> Some people call it a bicycle. And he buys one, and there's a musical montage where he like gives her a ride, which is funny, because. Nobody's ever ridden a bicycle before in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Butch Cassidy is like a pro. A pro. He's, he's doing like, like pro B, he's doing Matt Hoffman shit. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. doing Matt, he's doing backflips, he's doing wheelies, he's yeah. riding on the pegs, he's yeah. grinding. <laughs> and Etta is like juicing up over it, you know? She's like falling in love. Yeah. Um, side note, that bike that he's riding is totally not era appropriate. That is a super modern bicycle. Yeah. That is not some it's old west bicycle. Mm-hmm. Bicycles didn't even have rubber tires when they were first invented. They had wooden tires uh-huh. and they had wooden pedals. They didn't have metal pedals. They didn't have rubber grips on the handlebars. All of that shit is modern inventions. Yeah, and he uh, had like a helmet on and like knee pads on. Well, they didn't also, that yet, dude, he was changing know? gears and it was crazy. Yeah. Two during that that scene, they had the song "Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head," yeah. which was not around then either well so. did you know that song was written for this movie i did not know that no, I, that was I didn't the, know that either that was the first appearance of that song i had no idea that is I hilarious it was, i thought it was because for i hated that that song was there really i was like really? why the fuck are you playing this song now that like song that, is such a big hit because this movie that was such is a big so hit. funny because yeah. i was like this song is like in the 60s song why'd you throw it in this uh, western know, movie so yeah. sean i love a great moment where you find the thing backwards like you, yeah. like you didn't know that because i will never forget sitting there with you when they were playing the song it's my life over the radio or something uh-huh. and you were like this is the shittiest cover of of that no doubt song i've ever heard and i'm like bro this is the original yeah they covered it, it was you like, find, what? sometimes you find things backwards <laughs> yeah but i had no idea that's well i'm gonna forgive it then you although know? that song is still so lame, but whatever. Burt Bacharach did the, the the soundtrack to this movie, uh, and him and the director wanted to have kind of a a modern soundtrack <laughs> for the time, which is funny because now you watch it and it's the most outdated soundtrack. Right. Yeah. So Butch Cassidy's huh. riding a bike and it's the raindrops keep falling on my head. Yeah. That doesn't mean that soon be turning red. That song, and then. It, it goes from that to like, like circus theme. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is a little uh, off. But I guess the idea was that they wanted to have modern music to make this, 
feel like these characters weren't stuck in the past. Like yeah. that these were contemporary Put it characters. Put in our context. Yeah. yeah. Mm. These were like modern day characters just happening to take place in a, in a period piece. Yeah. And I, I actually think that's a wonderful song in the in that context. The problem is I feel like that's been like used in all these hammy ways in movies and commercials. Yeah, which is since. why when I heard it, I was like, oh, they did it too, huh? Yeah. Not realizing this was the the, they the one yeah. that gets the pass. So I give them a, I give them a thumbs up on that. <laughs> so but, there's, yeah, yeah, there's this musical montage and uh, later on they travel to New York for a second musical montage, which I'll talk about. I have some info on that. And then they do a third, like robbing banks in Bolivia montage. Yeah. All of those were invented just to get Etta Page in the movie I without see. having mm-hmm. to write dialogue for her. Hmm. Um, and you, you'll see other note is that most of a mo- movie doesn't have music in it outside of those parts oh, right yeah. and i i noted that as well yeah where i was like oh it's a lot of them just like escaping or being chased which we'll get into i'm sure in a second but it's like oh this is this horse gallops there's nothing else to it than that yeah because again they wanted to go for realism right except for those little montage parts gotcha um all i was gonna say was i guess that she had like kind of a feud with the director yeah well um, oh go ahead oh yeah no that that is all i had heard is that she really loved doing all those montage parts because um, they had second unit film those. It wasn't like the main crew. It was just like, yeah, 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 send this guy over and film him. Yeah. And so she had all she had a lot of fun doing those because she's like, she was basically like, every minute spent away from the director is good for me because I guess <laughs> she like fucked with the camera or something. Well, what I what I read was that like there were for like some train robbing scene. Yeah. There were five cameras, but four operators. And so yeah. she's like, what's doing that? That's the other one. And so they put her on that just to fuck around. And she was like filming stuff. Yeah. And the director saw that and was like pissed that she was like yeah, on something the camera. Like that. Yeah. So anyway, I guess. So she was like, yeah, let's film more montages. So I can not be with a regular director. But Damn. Anyway. Uh, most of the movie was filmed in Utah, but the, the parts mm-hmm. in South America were filmed in Mexico. Oh, I, I didn't re- know that. I read that uh, it was supposed to be South America, but it was actually Mexico. And I read that all of the cast and crew got diarrhea <laughs> or Montezuma's revenge. Oh, the water. From the polluted water in Mexico, except for the three lead characters. Oh. Uh, because they drink nothing but soda and alcohol. <laughs> the whole time. That Hell yeah. There. Oh, so that's awesome. When you go to Mexico, you know what to do. Uh, so continuing with the story, they rob the train. They meet their girl. They celebrate with some hookers. Then they go to rob the train again. And this time they're robbing the same guy in an even funnier scene because the dude's all bandaged up and he's like, look, Butch, I like you. I'd let you take the money if it was my money. But my boss, you know, he really doesn't like you stealing. And I just can't open this door. I have a note here that's like Woodcock and Butch's relationship is maybe my favorite of the whole movie. Like It's so funny how like. They both like each other, yeah. but there's no way they should even know each other. Yeah. But it's so funny. They play Apparently, it so well. that is how the real Butch Cassidy was. Like, everybody liked him, even though he Damn. was a bandit. And he <laughs> didn't really have to kill people or fight people. Yeah, they played that very well, for um, sure. They, they, there's a scene where they actually trick Woodcock into opening the door here. And I bring it up because an old woman gets off the train. She's like, I'm an old woman. I'm not afraid of nobody. You're going to start right. this train. I don't care who's out here. And then you hear her, oh, oh, help me. Oh, the Lord's prayer. And Woodcock thinks they're like killing her. So he opens up the door and it's Butch Cassidy doing an impersonation of the woman's voice. Because yeah. <laughs> they've like captured her and put her hand over her mouth. The director hated this scene. Really? The director fucking hates this scene, wishes it wasn't in the movie. He thinks it's super unbelievable. But oh. he recognizes that, hey, the audience thinks it's funny. It gets a laugh out of people, so whatever. But he is on record saying, I will never like this scene, and you will never convince me it's good. <laughs> wow. 
Uh, it's right. just kind of funny. This is also the scene where I re- it really hit me. This movie has so many zoom-ins where they didn't do it in camera. Like, back then, they would do dramatic zooms sometimes, like, in editing. Right. And it was always, they have a certain look to them where it's just the grainiest film ever because that's what they're doing. They're just, you know, zooming that in. Mm-hmm. And so you see these really grainy zoom-ins. There's so many in this movie where, it, like, they, he opens the door and it's dun, dun, dun right onto him and it's so grainy looking and if you ever look up oh i can't remember the name of the song there's a music video by beck was it devil's haircut it might have been new pollution one of his older music videos michelle gondry noticed that in like this movie and other movies and made a whole music video about it where beck will turn around and it's a really grainy zoom in he's like we just did that effect over and over so anyway uh the director he purposely overexposed the movie Hmm. He he said like he liked that look. He felt like he studied a lot of Western movies oh, of the okay. time and yeah. felt like they looked better when they were overexposed. Huh. So if you watch this movie, everything is overexposed. Everything is lit from behind. And he said he tried to kick up as much dust into the foreground as possible huh. to really make it look dirty and grainy. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that that was an artistic choice because hmm. they were definitely capable of not doing that. Right. Yeah. They, they tried to do it. Well, they definitely didn't care about like grain on it um, so that yeah it gave it a look for sure there's another thing i want to mention about the bicycle scene which i totally forgot to sk- i think this is interesting butch cassidy ends the scene by crashing his bicycle into a pen where a bull is yeah and the bull chases him mm-hmm. uh away so the scene ends with oh let's get on the bike and they run away as the bull chases him story about the bull the bull's name was bob mm. and was shipped to utah from hollywood and this was a professional Ooh, hollywood bull. Wow, stunt hollywood bull. stunt bull movie bull hmm. wow the bull wranglers had a spray bottle with something known as high life in it hmm. this is all the inf- i've heard of that I, I this was straight from the behind the scenes film mm-hmm. okay and they would spray that on the bull's balls. Oh, And yeah. the bull yep. would start charging in whatever direction it was facing. Oh, my God. And the director said, I don't know what high life is, <laughs> but all I can tell you is the bull didn't seem to mind it because whenever it was done charging, we would pull him back to do another take, and he seemed just as happy as he ever was. And all throughout the day, he never seemed agitated by us spraying his balls with high life. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't know what high life is, but if you know or if you have yeah. some, send it my way. Yeah, yeah let us know. I'll spray, my, I'll spray my nuts with yeah. it and just let you see know. We'll, we'll do if a hundred run, yard dash. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see who, who wins. Yeah, that sounds good. As long as I'm facing the right way. Yeah. Um, That's funny. So uh, we're at the second train robbery and they, they have to blow up the train again. They use way more uh, dynamite this time because it's in a bigger safe. I'm just telling you what happens in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, interesting thing. The director said that they had to shoot that at 60 frames per second. The oh. explosion. He's like, you always shoot an explosion at 60 frames per second. Really? Otherwise, it goes by too fast. On that camera. explosion caught me off guard. I rewound it and watched it again. Like, yeah. whoa, that looks fucking gnarly. Yeah. And like those actors, whoever the stunt people were, or if it was actually them, got like annihilated by that wood. It that was, was balsa wood. It was balsa wood. Yeah. So mm. there's the same stuff that um, uh, Billboard was made out of in Mad, 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 Mad World or whatever. Oh, okay. Where they yeah, fly, yeah. they crash the plane through it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like really thin. It looked awesome. Yeah. It looks so good. Yeah, it does look good. Uh, they rob this train a second time and then a, a new train shows up, a strange train, and it opens up and out jumps the super posse. 
which is a bunch of, you know, horseback lawmen who suddenly are chasing, I was almost going to call them Bill and Ted, (laughs) (laughs) Butch and Sundance. (laughs) Yeah. And this leads into the second act of the movie where the super posse is chasing Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. The first time I watched this movie, I was like, where is this going? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where is this chase scene going? Now I understand this movie is the chase scene. Right. (laughs) Essentially, this whole movie is them being chased by this Hmm. super posse. Yeah. Uh, The second act of the movie is literally just them being in a horse chase, and they keep trying to lose these guys, and they can't fucking do it. Yeah. Time and again. It's like, all right, the gang has to split up, and they split up, and the the super posse only goes after Butch and Sundance. Okay, shit. Well, uh, we have to go over here. They're still chasing him. Well, we'll travel across rocks. They can't chase us over rocks. They track him over rocks. Okay, we'll go to a brothel and have a guy lie to him. The guy lies to him, but they don't believe it, and they come back. Mm-hmm. Just time and again, they can't shake the super posse. Yeah. Um, and I love that he went, who are these guys? Yeah. Like, they're who just are like, these guys? They keep making jokes about it, but they are getting fucking frustrated. I was like, what I, do we have to do here? I don't know why I cracked up at the, the fact that the super, the super posse, whatever you want to call it, is chasing after only Butch and Sundance. Yeah. The rest of their hole in the wall crew isn't being chased. Like they're all scattering and not being chased. And I love when uh I think it was Butch is like, what's wrong with those guys? <laughs> yeah. That cracked me up. That I don't know why that caught me off guard. The whole movie, with- these guys are very like childlike and have a boyish charm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we're stealing stuff, but we're not hurting anybody. Like, what the yeah, fuck? Leave us alone. Yeah. <laughs> um the super posse chase. What was I going to say about that? Um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's great. A lot of yeah. people at the time when this movie came out kind of um, criticized the movie for this for this sequence. Saying oh. Like, yeah, the movie is just this uh, for the whole time. But I really enjoy it. Uh, they're yeah, chased. Fun. They're chased by six people, and like, it's clear that they're very good horsemen. It's clear that they're very good shooters. That they're very dangerous. But as Butch and Sundance are unable to shake them. Like Sean said, they really start to question like who the fuck is chasing us right now. Yeah. And there's this great scene where they're on rocks and it's like, well, nobody can chase us, track us over rocks. And it's like, we'll tell them that they look and the super posse is there and a guy gets down and he starts like checking the rocks and Sundance goes, you remember when we were in Denver, Colorado a few years ago? And he's like, you know, Butch, oh, perfect time to bring that up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were ch- <laughs> yeah. yeah, great time. You remember that guy we talked to? Oh, yeah. I remember every conversation from five years ago, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> but then yeah. he tells him, like, this? he told us about a, a full-blooded Indian who could track a, any any man, night or day, over any substance. What was his name? He had, Sir something. And then Butch Cassidy's like, are you talking about Lord Baltimore? Like, yeah, I think that guy's Lord Baltimore. You know, that's something they don't do in movies. Like, Whoever that super posse is, you never really see them up yeah. close. You only hear about them and you see them in the distance, and it just gives them this legendary yeah, it's eerie almost air about them, mm-hmm. and you never see them. You know, with all the modern superhero movies we've been yeah. watching, oh Batman, Superman, legendary, this and that. I got chills hearing about Lord Baltimore yeah. and never seeing his face, but yeah. seeing him in the distance doing his thing, yeah. that felt like shit. That's the fucking guy right there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I mean, oh, I, I was just going to say to me that w- as much as I still like this, that was the appeal of Star Wars as a kid was they would tell you stuff 
that there was just a fucking mystery about it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they'd mentioned the, oh, he survived the Clone Wars. What was, what was the Clone Wars? And even in, like, Empire Strikes Back, you don't even see, in the original version, you don't even see the, the whole snow monster. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of just see its hands, and it's, and it's, I think it's coming through the cave. There's something to be said about, like, not seeing the, the face of your, your enemy. imagination. Yeah, yeah. 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 I they, got one. They do another one later where they're like, you know, who's the toughest lawman in all America? It's got to be Joe LaFors. Yeah. They always say Joe LaFors wears a white hat. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the leader of that super posse. Mm-hmm. And then again, off in the distance. Yeah. Yep. I can't see the face, but I did definitely I see, see that guy's hat. wearing a white hat. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the famous scene that Rocco was talking about because they get chased and chased and chased and they try so many things to shake these guys and nothing yeah. works. And eventually they get chased up to the top of a mountain and they find themselves stranded on a cliff and there's nowhere left to go. And they're like, well, they're either going to come up here and surround us and shoot us or they're going to wait to starve us out. Those are our options. And they yeah. look around, they're like, they're surrounding us. Mm-hmm. And it's like, fuck, mm-hmm. dude, we're going to have to fight our way out of this. And like, no, wait, there's one more option we could jump off this cliff. Yeah. Uh, and it's a very famous scene. And uh, you find out that Sundance doesn't want to do it because he can't swim. But they jump off the cliff uh, and they do it. And it's so funny to me because in, re- in just talking about it, you think like, okay, they do it. But the movie does it so well where it's mm. like, they're fucked. There's yeah. no way they're going to do this. Again, it's <laughs> realism, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The guy, uh, Butch, makes, he's like, we'll jump off this cliff. We'll get away. He's like, well, why won't they follow us? He's like, would you make this jump if you didn't have to? And he's <laughs> yeah. like, I have to, and I don't even want to make it. You <laughs> yeah. know, and yeah, that's yeah. like yeah. realism. Like, it really is. Yeah, yeah, I've been in that situation. <laughs> yeah, and uh, seeing again as a kid, I saw this scene on a you know ten frames a second on a PC, and um, it uh, did make me laugh very hard. Them yelling shit as they jumped down. Yeah. As a as a kid, that was a gag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now you know you say shit every other word. It's no big deal. But at the time, that was very well timed. It just seemed like this is like <laughs> them when they're most cornered and they're still cracking jokes. And like I love these guys. Yeah. Like you yeah. really like learn to like love these two people. Yeah. So this jump is super famous, and the way it was filmed was they were at like Dorado River in Utah, actually on that cliff, and the movie studio built a wooden platform into the cliff, just off the cliff. So where you see uh, Paul Newman and Robert Redford run and shout, shit, and jump off the cliff, they actually do jump off that cliff, and then they land on like a a wooden platform like three feet lowered off the cliff. Then... The, the production company went back to Hollywood to like the Fox Fantasy Ranch in Malibu. Oh. And they got these two stunt actors to come up on. They held them on a crane over a giant pool. Oh, wow. Just a crane, like a cherry picker. This is 1969. No yeah. computer effects. Right. What they did is they got two giant panes of glass and they painted the glass to look Whoa. like look like the cliffs of that river. And what? they hung the glass in front of the camera so that the actors would jump down in between the paintings on the glass. Oh my and the camera God. could pan down with them and it would look like the cliffs are in the foreground. Wow. So if you go back and watch that scene, Whoa, the actual real. shot of them falling into the river and you look at the cliffs in the foreground, those are painted panes of glass I had no being clue. filmed in Malibu, California. Why? Wow. I had no idea. Would never have guessed. It, the I mean, I didn't think at all. For, it looked weird. Like the the no. I, I just thought they jumped in the river. Yeah, me too. <laughs> wow, movie magic, ladies and wow. gentlemen. Damn, that's even, cool. Even back then. Yeah, man, um, that's incredible. Yeah. 
So they end up getting away from the super posse and they go back to Etta and they read uh, about it in the newspaper and they find out that it was Lord Baltimore and it was Joe LaForce hunting them and all these other really big expensive guys from all over the country. And they're like, well, who's paying for this? And it's the owner of the train company Mm -hmm. who they've been robbing. And they find out that this posse, this super posse has been paid to hunt them until they are killed, not arrested, killed. And so they decide, you know what? We have to leave the country. Um, And they tell Etta, we want you to come with us. We want to go to Bolivia. For whatever reason, Butch Cassidy just thinks Bolivia is paradise. It's (laughs) going to be good for them. Mm -hmm. So then they come to the second montage where they travel to Bolivia by way of New York. I love the idea of back in the day, you couldn't just take a plane to Bolivia. You had to bramble around like, oh, we'll take a carriage to New York and hang out in New York. And then we'll charter a steamship down to South America. That's like your next year. It was such a clever way of telling the story without spending a shitload of money. Yeah. Filming the story, yeah. just pictures, and I was entertained the whole time watching the pictures. Well, okay. you'll be surprised to find out this bit. Okay, so they actually filmed all of that. <laughs> oh, then I okay, they, but okay. they they filmed all of that, but were not allowed to use the footage. Why? What? So they filmed this sequence where Butch, Etta, and Sundance travel to New York on the back lot of Universal Studios where you go through on right. the tour. Right. Yeah. They turn that back lot to look like old-timey New York for the movie Hello, Dolly. Okay. And okay. the set was already built, and so they told this production crew, like, yeah, you can use our set, cool. but don't show it. We want to be the first to show it. And so, because... You use the set, but don't show it? Yeah. I don't, what? Mm. Butch Cassidy uh, was scheduled for release sooner than hello dolly oh. and so they're like we're not allowed to show the hello dolly sets we have to wait until after hello dolly comes out uh until we can show those sets oh my god so what they ended up doing was like fuck it fuck hello dolly fuck your stupid fucking sets <laughs> they took the footage uh and and they photographed the actors on the hello dolly sets and then 1969 style photoshopped them wow. into old-timey vintage photos from new york city Wow. Using the things that they had photographed and filmed on the sets so that visually and aesthetically it would match up. And they just put them into all these old vintage photos and then recreated the montage in that way. That is so interesting. So they were fully Uh prepared and greenlit to film all that and were on set filming it and shooting it. And then we're told like, yeah, yeah, just wait before you show it off. And they're like, no, our (laughs) our movie's coming out. Yeah. Damn. But I agree. I I actually like it that it's a photo montage. I think it's like really clever and and adds like a, a... an air of historical realism to yeah, it. Yeah, because it, it looked, I mean, I guess you said they're old time photoshopping it because it looked like, oh, yeah, these are old pictures, but there they are. And they're like, that's cool. Like, I thought that you was know, great. Sean, I just want to, you know, I don't mean to call you out in this oh, episode, no. but I just want to say they do that really well in The Godfather uh, as well. And nah, I don't see too boring. You. Wow. Okay. You know what? I'll watch The Godfather again one day, and I'm sure I'll like it more. We're going to have some words after this episode. As of right now, it's just one star for me. Uh, Butch and the group end up in Bolivia where they want to rob banks, but they find out they don't speak Spanish. Etta teaches them how to speak Spanish, and then they have the third musical montage, which is my favorite of the musical montages. Yes. Uh, where they're just robbing banks in Bolivia, and it yeah. has this like South American. Kind of soundtrack. I literally, as I was hearing that, I was like, Derek played the song on the set when we were filming our Ava video. I swear to God, you were listening. I didn't, but I do like music. But it sounded just like it, though. Yeah, just chipper. Very similar. Yeah, it's great. Sunny music while they're committing all these crimes. And they get known as the Banditos Yankees. Mm hmm. 
Um, but while they're down in Bolivia robbing all these banks, they see a guy with a white hat and they get spooked. They think it's Uh-oh. Joe LaForce and the super posse, knowing that like they're hired until they kill us. We should it, go straight. What's up? It just hit. Sorry. I hope I'm not. I, it's a tangent. Uh, go ahead. Something just hit me. I wonder, is it a reference to this movie that in, sorry, in Mallrats, they, the security guard that they're trying to keep away from, it, he's got like an old timey hat. And, oh, and LaFours. He has the same hat. That's it. <gasps> That's got to be. I never. That is his name. Never, just Joe LaFours and the White Skimmer. It's, oh, my I God. I never thought about that. That's I was exactly like, what that I was is. I was always like, what's the joke with the security guard? He's got the fucking old timey hat. What that is that? Is That's 100% it. One hundred percent. Jay and Silent Bob were trying wow. to keep away from him. Oh, wow! Whoa! The See? same guy hunting Butch and Sundance is the is the great 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 grandfather <laughs> of the guard from Mallrats. Wow. See, Ma- I said it before. Mallrats age the best of the Kevin Smith I library, it and it just keeps getting Damn, better. Dude. Anyway, sorry. Um, didn't mean to derail. Now I'm gonna do a super derail. Okay. Since we're already derailing, we're already off the rails here. The trains have blown up. Let me put my Butch Cassidy notes away for a second. Okay. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Okay. And I had a theory that that director, Simon McCoy, uh-huh. was oh. lying about his age. Yeah. I remember this. Ladies and gentlemen, I looked into it and I found some articles. Okay. Uh-oh. I can't confirm how old the, uh, the director of the new Mortal Kombat movie is. But I know for a fact mm. that he was not born in 1984 and that he's not 37 years old. <laughs> that is bullshit. Yeah. I know this is a super tangent. That's it has fine. nothing to no, do with this episode. Fuck, fuck the Sundance kid, dude. But <laughs> if you were a ongoing fan of this show and you saw the Mortal Kombat episode, yep. I have follow-up information because I discovered that all of that guy's information has been wiped from the internet. Yeah, Even dude. if you go to his personal website, there is... No information about who he is. Like Ray Ayanami style. Like you keep searching, you're not going to find anything. I Googled and I Googled and I Googled and I found that he had won these directing awards. And so I Googled his name with those directing awards. Uh Aha. And then I started uncovering these pages, self-published pages where he wrote about himself. And he's like, I'm Simon McCoy from Perth, Australia. And he says that in 1995, he moved to America to start his career as a graphic designer. Mm. When you were five fucking years, or when you were 10 years, ten old, years old, you moved to America to start your career. Hmm, interesting. And, and eight years later, he's like head of some marketing company directing oh, all their commercials. Huh. You're head of the marketing company. Instead of going to college, you just got put straight in the head of the company. Bullshit. Yeah. I don't know what the real story is, but I've, un- I've uncovered the dirt and there is a, a legitimate conspiracy Why? and cover up going on. Why would he yep. lie about his age? With yep. that director. I, I'm, uh, and, yeah. and movie Mega 64 Movie Club is the only mm. news source on the internet that is covering this story. Yeah. That's true. Yep. Well, We're getting to the bottom I, of this. Hey, I'm, I'm happy with the derailment, and I think we should, if I, we ever get more info, you're welcome to derail at any point. Because I, I love yeah. this. What the hell is happening here? It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yep. Pretty, you know, something's going on there. I don't trust it. Okay, so back to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. We're almost over here. Sure. Well, uh, I had more mall rats stuff. You know. no. Go ahead. Just keep going. So they see LaFours in South America. They get spooked and they say, like, well, we he hasn't he can't do anything to us here unless he catches us committing a crime. So let's just go straight. Let's become, you know, on the on the level. And they get jobs guarding the money. 
for a local mine. Right. The payroll. They're payroll guards. Which I thought was really funny when the guy's like, I can't pay you because we get robbed all the time. And yeah. it's like, oh, they, <laughs> I know like, by who. Oh, these guys are qualified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but in the course of doing this job, they get held up by some bandits and their boss gets killed and they get into a gunfight where they have to take on a gang of six banditos. Um, and they kill these guys and it's known as like the, a bloodbath. The director refers to it as the bloodbath scene in the movie. The director originally filmed this differently where it was a really artistic shot. It was two cameras filmed at different speeds and so the guys would like fall it out of like it looked like one person and slowly you would see them all like bloom into like oh my god they're all dying at once uh but he said like i almost fucked this movie up pursuing a a camera effect instead of the best way to tell the story and he's like that shot looked like a ballet it looked so pretty and he's like it just wasn't appropriate for this moment yeah because he's like this is the moment where butch kills somebody for the first time in his life in going straight he has to kill people, which is something he never had to do as a bandit, and it really affects him. And having this be like this poetic ballet moment didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so this is how the movie ends. They realize, like, I don't, you know, Butch Cassidy doesn't like killing people. He doesn't like the straight life. And Etta realizes, like, oh, they're going to go back to being bandits. And she doesn't want to. She knows they'll, they'll be killed if they do that. So she decides to go home. The end of the movie is kind of sad. Etta mm-hmm. says, like, I'm going to get out of here. And they're like, all right, well, you can leave if you want. Butch, do you care? He's like, no, she can do what she wants. So she leaves. Hmm. And then they go out to lunch. They commit one more robbery, and then they go to lunch. And at lunch, the local authorities realize who they are, Banditos Yankees, and they get into a gunfight with them. And in the course of that gunfight, the Bolivian army is brought in. Basically, like 200 riflemen are posted all around the city. And it's a super famous ending to this movie. Butch and Sundance get shot up a little bit and they're pinned down in a restaurant and they start making plans to go to Australia because even in the most dire of situations, like Sean said, they're optimistic and they're talking shit to each other and cracking jokes and saying like, well, what should we do next? You know, here Australia is nice. Why don't we go there? I loved, I loved the line of like, do you see the floors out there? And it's like, no, it seems like, okay, good. I thought we were in trouble. Like, I loved that. That was so <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and this, this movie ends with these guys on their last limb, their last bullets, they run out of the restaurant thinking they're going to shoot their way out of this mess because they really get out of every situation. But this is the time where their luck runs out. This whole movie, um, a lot of their friends, and they have a lot of friends, but the people who care most about them tell them, there's no end to your story other than you dying. Yeah. And you're just prolonging the inevitable. And I feel like that's what this movie is about. You know, prolonging the inevitable... But but enjoying it have, while you can. Yeah, right? having fun till till the last drop. And that um, I love that this movie they they die at the end of this movie, but it ends the moment before. Yeah, which that to me was like first off, I think I think that's the cover of the movie. Yeah, I realize now, like, oh, that was the last frame of this movie is interesting. Yeah, but you hear all the shots, like three rounds of these shots, and you know, they're for sure dead, but you don't see it. Which thank God, I didn't want to see it. Yeah. It was perfect way to end that. It ends the moment before, and it is the cover of the movie because even though this is the moment that they die, they look like they're having fucking fun. Yeah. And talk about going out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. This is the quintessential going out in a blaze of glory movie. Mm -hmm. Like these guys don't give a fuck what the odds are against them. They're going to have fun. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I I will say, you know, not to disagree too much with you guys, but you, you know, you make the assumption they die, but in my mind, they made it 
to Australia. Oh, there you go. So See? I chose the optimistic nice. like view that. of the whole. Oh, they told you they're dead at the beginning. Yeah. So apparently Fuck. the uh, the the studio was like, "Hey, this is great," but to the writer, cut out the part where they go to Bolivia and die because that's a downer. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, "Sounds like a studio to." <laughs> that's what happened to the, that's yeah. that's their story. Yeah. What do you want me to write there? <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, I don't know, change it." And he's like. Okay. Uh, and he said he changed like two pages in the middle of the script and resubmitted the, <laughs> resubmitted it to some other studios. And they're like, yeah, great. Perfect. <laughs> so the, uh, if we ever do this movie, I, I won't go in, into it that much, but man, they have almost the exact same story with uh, I recently watched V for Vendetta. Mm -hmm. And there's a part in that movie where they kind of go into like the just oppressive shit that, that the government is you know, has done to people and stuff. And that was the studio note was just like, cool. If you just cut those sad parts out, we're, we're good. And it's like, that's kind of like the heart of the movie. Yeah. yeah. You gotta um, be sad sometimes studios just really don't, you know, they don't want you bumming out. I, just I guess. imagine like, okay, that's what happened to the real butch and Sundance. So cut that out. All right. Oh, we got away from the super posse. What now? Let's go to South America. And they all live happily yeah. ever after. Like, okay. Uh, Whoops. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's how the movie ends, and it went on to become uh, American classic. A lot of people like this movie, and we're gonna rate it now. Okay, I picked this movie, so I'll start. I'm gonna give it four out of five popcorn shakes. Mm. I really enjoy it. You know, um, yeah, I really enjoy it. I don't think it's a five out of five, but it's close. I would give it like I'll give it four point five, four and a half. Yeah. Um, I uh. I'm also going to give it 4.5. It was almost five. I, I loved this movie. I loved it. Um, I'm glad too. Cause I feel like the last movie clubs, I've been rating everything. One, one, one. <laughs> and finally I was like, these movies are made for me. Fuck. Yes. Love this. Um, yeah. so yeah, four and a half, almost five. And maybe I should just do it, but I'm going to say four and a half. So, but I loved it movie. There was there was a point definitely during this movie where I thought I might end up giving this a five. I think when it was ending, I felt like um, and again, this is my only thing I could say is I had maybe hoped a little more had developed. You know, we had the thing between the three of them. Mm -hmm. Not that it needed that. Don't listen to me. It doesn't need anything. It's a great movie. But I think for me, maybe I would have hoped there would have been one more little development in it. But I can't complain about what's there. So. Yeah, I'm going to do a four. I'm going to do you a four. You know, um, I, but I almost gave it a five. Let me say I'm going to change my score because my point five that's taken off was because the raindrops keep falling on my head because I really didn't <laughs> like that. Oh. But if you are saying it was written for this movie, got a five. Wow. Five. Yeah. All right. Sean's wow. perfect five. Loved it. So I think this is the highest rated movie we've done on Movie Club. It could be. I think mm. it's not a perfect, but it's pretty close. Yeah, I I know before this it was the prestige, mm. but I don't know if it's higher than that. Well, there we go. Yeah. Anyways, um, I realized that I have no idea what I was going to pick in the middle of this movie club. So um, I think oh. it's my turn. It's my pick, right? Yeah. Usually we have an idea, and I had no idea. Oh damn! A movie that I've been told to watch so many times, um, and I've never seen it, but it's about uh, NASA. It's called The Right Stuff. So oh, yeah. let's watch that. I've never seen it. Never, have, never have seen it. But there is one shot in that movie that they ape in everything of of dudes walking towards the camera. Mm, yeah, like yeah, yeah. That one shot they do it in Monsters Inc. They do yeah, it. In, I mean, there's like 20 movies that I can think of. 
not now, but yeah, on, on any other day. But so, uh, okay, yeah, I've always wanted to see that. Okay, well, there you go. It's All on right. Disney Plus, I've been told. So next oh, okay. week, we're watching the right stuff. <laughs>